Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. It's always a little bit of a worry if the preacher brings the case on stage, because maybe he's planning on staying a while. Um, Now, where did I leave this? Okay. So, just to reassure you, I've organized a little bit of an outline, whoops, uh, of what the sermon's going to be like. So, So, in the first minute, I will have confused you, hopefully by six minutes, will have enlightened you and explain the meaning of the verse, um, which, by the way, is Matthew 6, 1 to 4. Um, by 20 minutes, I should have shown you six other points to take home. In 25 minutes, I've opened my case and put the front row in potential danger. <laughs> it, it's, it's not too risky. There's levels of risk, but... It's okay, I think we're insured. And um, by 28 minutes, I would have made... Oh, yeah, there's a seventh point. 28 minutes, I've got to make a decision whether I do something or not. Um, and then 30 minutes, we're finished. Okay, so that's, that's our direction of travel for the rest of the service, okay? So I, I think it's very important so you know where we're going so we don't get lost. Right, so title of this sermon, Jesus Wants You to Be Like Bond. Okay, so that's not Brooke Bond, that's James Bond. So you might not have heard many sermons preached where you're encouraged to be like Bond because I've seen quite a lot of characteristics of James Bond and it's not really maybe suitable for church. Um, However, uh, this is my reasoning behind this. But maybe we ought to read the verse first. Okay, so let's read this. Then you'll understand the reasoning. So Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount. And this is our foundations for living. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your right hand know, no, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So that's the verse. So, why have I entitled this sermon, Jesus Wants You to Be Like James Bond? Well, why Bond? Jesus wants you to become a secret service agent, or rather, an agent who will happily perform acts of service in secret. So, God is looking for a church full of secret service agents. That's showing the good bit about Bond, not all the bad bits about Bond. Because we are, we are willing to happily perform our acts of service in secret without anybody watching. Now, does that mean that we can't ever show our acts in front of other people? 
No, doesn't mean that. See, our primary motivation should always be to serve people and please God and not impress other people. That should be our primary motivation. You know, in the Bible, there are times when people have shown their acts in front of other people. In Acts 2.45, it tells of Christians selling all their possessions and giving to the needy. That's recorded in there. And in Luke 4.36, we hear about Barnabas selling a field and bringing the money to the apostles' feet. That's recorded. In number seven, there's a tremendously complicated list of all the donors that helped build the tabernacle. And in 1 Chronicles 29, we can see how the leaders of Israel gave all sorts of money and bits and pieces and jewels and gold and things to build the temple. And those things are recorded in the Bible for our encouragement and our, and our, and our motivation to give. But the problem is we shouldn't be showing those things if our motivation isn't to serve people and please God. If our motivation is only to impress other people, then we need to keep it secret. And also, we must be happy just to keep it secret anyway. We don't have to show off. We don't have to show off being Christians. You see, the key is, why do you give? Do you give to please God or impress people? When it comes to giving, we need to make sure we do the right thing in the right way. Because the Sermon on the Mount is all about motivations and all about heart attitudes, all about what makes you tick. Some of the pieces of um, scripture that Jesus talks about, he says, you've heard it said, like, do not commit a murder. But I say to you, whoever has anger in his heart, it's going to be murder already. That's a bad action with a bad heart attitude. This situation, we're talking about a good action, giving, but also a bad heart attitude. Because the foundations of all your living depend on what's going on inside your heart. You could do bad things, you could do good things. God's not really interested about the good things even if your heart attitude is wrong. God's wanting to look at what your heart's like, always. Because what your heart's like is the foundations for your whole life. For your whole life. And the foundations are important. So many people try and run out there and do stuff without building the foundations. The foundations are important. Yesterday I had the privilege of going to a reunion of my youth group that I was in when I was uh, a teenager, when I started when I was about 13 and 14. I recognised most people. (laughs) 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 One person I remember when I was a young man, he was a bit of a bodybuilder, and he had tight black curly hair, and I looked up to him and thought, I wish I was like him. (laughs) I'm glad I don't look like him now. <laughs> when you're in your 40s and 50s, going back from teenage to your child. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> what was good was, in those times in that youth group, when I was like 13 and 14, there were foundations sown in my life that I've built upon, attitudes that I've built upon that have affected me in years to come. And it's those foundations which are important. And looking at some of those people around the room that I saw yesterday, even though their hair may have fallen out, they may have put on a little bit more weight, some of them had foundations in their life that had grown all the way through their lives. 
So, foundations are important. Your heart attitude is important. But there's lots of other lessons that we can learn and build on this in this passage of Scripture. So, I want to talk about some of these other things. First of all, Jesus wants you to be careful. I love the way this verse starts. It says, be careful. You know, it's like if you talk to your kids, you say, be careful, don't touch that fire, it's going to burn you. Now, when we say to our kids, don't touch that fire to be burn, burn them, we, we're not being killjoys, are we? We've got their best interests at heart. And Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, is saying, be careful, this is a warning. I've got your best interests at heart because I don't want you to miss out. I want you to get a reward from God. I don't want you to miss out. Jesus is giving this warning for a reason. He wants the best for us because he understands the consequences and he knows what the outcome can be and he wants the best for us. He's giving us a warning for a reason. He wants the best for you. Secondly, this passage of Scripture shows there's an expectation that we should be doing doing deeds of righteousness and we should be giving to the poor. Nowhere in there is saying, you know, if you feel like it, it's when you do your when you perform your acts of righteousness, when you give to the poor. It's something that is expected of us as people. In Deuteronomy 15, 10 to 11, it says that we should be open-handed to the poor. What a great symbol that is. We're not holding our money back to ourselves. We're having an open hand to the poor. In Proverbs 19, 17, it says we should be kind to the poor. It's an expectation that God has on us. The poor are always going to be with us. But we're meant to do something about it. We should be open-handed and kind. Number three, there are rewards either in this life or the next. Now, one of the rewards that they're talking about in here is praise from men. That happens in this life. There are other rewards that they talk about in here, and that's rewards from God. Now, I wonder what they'd be. Now, I don't think that Jesus is talking about going to heaven. That's not what the reward is. That's a free gift, our salvation. But there can be rewards in this life from God, and there are probably going to be rewards in the next life from God. But if we take that only reward, which is praise from men here on earth, we can forfeit those rewards. And I know that if I go to John Lewis, I'm going to get something a little bit better than if I go to Poundland. I might have to pay for it. If I buy electrical good, I can get an extra year um, warranty, which is very good. I know that I, if I get my reward from God, it's going to be far better than what that reward is from man. Even if I don't know what that reward is, God's got something good in store for me in this life. And he's got something good in store for me in the next. And I don't want to forfeit that reward 
because I'm just happy to take praise from man right here on earth. I want praise from God. I want some reward. I want some mystery. I want some excitement from God. I know God's going to give it. God's reward is better than the praise of man. What reward do you want? Ah, something else on here as well. You know, it's up to us. We can choose to conceal or reveal our righteous acts. We can. And we can also, as it says in this passage, we can almost like blow our own trumpet. It's an interesting proverb, 27.2. It says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. Do you know what that includes as well? Is it includes manipulating the conversation to get somebody to praise you. <laughs> it can. I'm going to talk a little bit about this a little bit more in a minute. It's far better if you don't say anything and somebody just stands up and says, that's fantastic, than if you try and manipulate the conversation. If you manipulate the conversation, you lose your reward. R.T. Kendall talks about somebody he heard who was um, going to receive a knighthood. Um, but he was a bit of a stroppy sort of person, and he was the sort of person who didn't really agree with knighthoods. However, he did accept it in the end, because he said um, nobody should like, publicly reject a knighthood unless, uh, well, no, nobody should reject a knighthood unless they can keep quiet about it. Because if you publicly reject it, you've really accepted it, haven't you? to get our praise from God. John 5:44 says when Jesus was talking to the Jews who were speaking against him he says how can you believe if you accept praise from one another yet make no effort to obtain praise that comes from the only God. Our effort should be to look for praise from God and not for other people. Number 4 now, this is quite a scary thing as well coming out of this passage of Scripture. God sees everything. There's nothing that he can't see. In this passage, it says he sees everything and he's going to reward you. Maybe. God sees everything. Now, I think God seeing everything can be scary. It can be reassuring. Maybe if you've done some bad things, you're sitting here now thinking, oh, I don't want God to have seen that. Maybe you've done some good things, you think, well, maybe i like God to see that. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. He sees absolutely the lot. Psalm 139.1-4 says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me in my ways. He knows everything. But there's another side to seeing as well. God sees you when you're in distress. And one of my favourite passages of scriptures comes from Genesis 16. And this is where God is given the name, you are the God who sees me. 
This story in Genesis is about Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah can't have any children. Sarah's got a slave called Hagar, an Egyptian slave. And so she comes up with the idea that she's going to give Hagar to Abraham to father a child. Now Hagar is in a position of powerlessness because she's a slave. And in effect, she's being abused in this situation. She has a child. And Sarah becomes jealous of that situation. And then is harsh and unkind to her. So Hagar flees and she goes into the desert. And when she's in the desert, it's recorded in Scripture that... The angel of the Lord came to her. And this is the first time this phrase, the angel of the Lord, is used in Scripture. And some people think this expression is really talking about a divine encounter. And it's certainly the way that Hagar sees this situation. Because she says, You are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. And to me, this is great because somebody running, afraid, who's been abused, is out in the desert where nobody else may find them. God sees them in that situation. God finds them in that situation. And I know there's probably people in this room that you feel that you've had bad things happen to you, things that are not your fault. You've been treated harshly. You're in a desert place. But God sees you in that situation. Have you seen God? He's seeing you. You need to open your eyes because he's there with you. God is the God who sees everything. Fifth point. Hypocrites are actors. Now, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is describing and saying, don't be like the hypocrites who do so-and-so. Don't be like the hypocrites. So the hypocrites is a word we have in English that comes from the Greek word hypocrites. (laughs) So there's not a lot of change there. (laughs) And a hypocrite was an actor or someone putting on a performance. So by the first century... People were known as hypocrites, not just because they acted on stage, but because they put a performance on in their everyday life. And it's very easy even for Christians to be hypocrites in church because we put on a performance because we want to show to our other people around us. I know of some people that went to a church that preached very heavily on prosperity, and these people were very poor. So they put on a performance that they were rich to their other people in the congregation because they felt they needed to be accepted that way. Isn't that sad? But there are other ways that we can put on a performance in everyday life, but God wants us to be real people. He wants us to be vulnerable people. He wants us to show our weaknesses, our strengths, whatever. You know, I'm up here 
but I'm not that much different than you down there. I'm not special, I'm just normal. We shouldn't be put on a performance, anyone, at all. But why might we want to put on that performance? We might want to put that performance on because we want to oppress other people. And this is what Jesus is talking about, the heart of this passage of Scripture. He's saying that, you know, you, you're putting on a performance because you want to impress people. And why might that be? Pride or poor self-image? There are two things that can be endemic. So you want to seek that affirmation from other people at all times. But there's freedom in God's grace. What about pride? Jesus talking about the Pharisees um, says in Matthew 23, 5, everything they do is done for men to see because their motivation was pride. It was almost as if there was, there's nobody watching, there's no point in doing it. But we should be happy to do things even when nobody's watching at all. You know, bad pride is dangerous because pride makes you try and compare yourself with other people. You want to see yourself as better than them. It's bad. What about self-image? Whose admiration really matters? Is it man or is it God? In John 12, 43, again Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. They caused him a lot of trouble. It says that the Pharisees, they love praise from men more than praise from God. And often we get our significance in ourselves from other people, and that affects our self-image. But if we have a damaged self-image from a deep level of insecurity, you can continue to need the affirmation of other people all the time in an unhealthy way. And that's usually because you haven't really received or experienced the grace of God and the worth that he wants to give you. Stephen Reiser talks about three things that you should know about God's grace and his love for you. To know that you are accepted, to know that you're secure, to know that you're significant in Christ. And you know there's a, a tremendous freedom that comes from knowledge of this because you can act in ways that is not limited by how you think you should act to impress somebody else. And it's really important because in life, sometimes people are expecting actions from you that are inappropriate. And, you, and to, to impress them, you might have to act inappropriately yourself. There's a freedom that comes, but you don't worry about what other people think because you're secure in yourself and who God thinks you are and knows you are and says you are in scriptures so that you can live your life as God wants you to live in total security. You know, sometimes this even means that you don't allow yourself to be vindicated in situations. Sometimes this even means that if somebody accuses you of something, you just keep your mouth shut and let God sort it out. Reminded of the story of Joseph, who acted um, appropriately to Potiphar. 
Potiphar's uh, wife. Even though everybody thought he'd done wrong, and he was stuck in jail, he was probably never vindicated in his lifetime until the scriptures written down are for us to see what really happened in that room that day. You have to leave it for God to sort out sometimes. Now, what does it mean to let the right hand know, not let right hand know what the left hand is doing? Now, I, I was thinking about this because I've been trying to do all sorts of different things. So I've been trying to do things with my left hand and see if my right hand knows what it's doing. And, and <laughs> every time it did. <laughs> you know, some of it is like Jesus saying, you, you can imagine that the right hand is putting money to give to somebody and the left hand is saying, look, I'm doing this, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think this is um, Jesus' playful and humorous way of speaking of us, deliberately not focusing on ourselves or what we are doing. You know, how do you not focus on what you're doing, though? How, do you, how, how, how can this happen? So I've been thinking about this as well, thinking that this is a little bit, when you practice doing something so much, you can get in the zone. You don't really realise what you're doing. You know, when I first learnt to drive and I'm in the car, I've got lots of things to do. I've got pedals, steering wheel, gear stick, and it's a bit tricky. <laughs> it can be. But then after a while, you get in the zone, you don't really think about what you're doing, you just do it. Like if you're playing the piano, I can play with one finger only, but you have two hands, and for a while, the left hand definitely knows what the right hand's doing because you're trying to think really hard what you're doing. Then after a while it clicks and you can do it. So I thought, well, what can I show you as an example of what this really means to me? So, <laughs> so Vlad, have you got any lighter fluid? <laughs> so this is where it gets a little bit dangerous for the people in the front row. <laughs> so you'll be pleased to know that I haven't actually progressed with these ones yet but what I have done I've taught myself how to juggle with three balls now when I first started juggling with my, these balls my left hand knew what my right hand was doing because I had terrible trouble my left hand was dropping and my right hand was dropping all the time but after a while and it took about 15 minutes a day for um, two weeks, we managed to master it. Now I've said I've mastered it now, so now, you're, now I've, I've upped, upped what this is going to be. But okay, so hopefully I won't hit anybody in the front row. So maybe this is the first time you've had somebody juggling and preaching at the same time in church. So I can definitely tell you I do not know what the left hand and the right hand is doing at that time. <laughs> <laughs> because once you've practiced you get in the zone and it just comes totally natural and this is what Jesus is talking about he wants our acts of righteousness us giving to the poor to be so something natural that we do we don't think about it we don't think about are we going to impress somebody else because we practiced it we got in the zone 
It just comes naturally. We don't even have to think about it anymore. Anymore. And our service changes. We don't focus on ourselves and what we're doing. It just comes natural to seek God, serve God, and bless others. So, lastly, I said, and I'm just about going right on time. I now have to decide whether to do something or not. And now it's a little bit tough, a little bit tricky. You see, I want to take my shirt off. And, I'm, because, and I want to take my shirt off not because I'm an exhibitionist, although partly I am. <laughs> I want to take my shirt off because I know something that you don't know. I know what I'm wearing underneath. <laughs> and I want to show you. What I, so shall I? No, I don't know whether I should or not, really. But may, okay, okay. <laughs> So, so I've been having this on the whole time that I've been talking to you. I've been sitting there. So this is for the big reveal. <laughs> okay, just brace yourself. <laughs> you see, what's just happened then is I've got my reward. Because you've just clapped and... You've just praised me for my shirt. I've got my reward. I've lost my reward in heaven. (laughs) I enjoyed that reward. But you know, being a Christian and being a secret service agent is like wearing this shirt the whole time and it not bothering you whether you're showing it or not. You have it underneath and you know what you're like inside the whole time. It doesn't matter what people think because you have that insurance in who God is and God loves you. Amen. (laughs) Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father God, we thank you that you went up that mountain when you came to earth as Jesus. We thank you that you went up that mountain and you gave that sermon because you're so concerned about our heart attitudes. Father God, you're so concerned about our foundations. Father, is there anybody in this place tonight, today, that has a bad self-image, that has bad pride in their lives? Convict them, heal them, touch them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let them receive your love and your grace to flow through them. If there's anybody in here today that's feeling lost in the desert, God sees you. And he wants to bring you out of that place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go and be a secret service agent and serve the Lord. Amen.